This podcast is sponsored by Aurora Packaging Solutions, a global packaging solutions provider leading the transition to a more sustainably packaged future. They specialize in developing packaging and visual communication solutions that reduce the impact on the environment and bring sustainability goals to life. With a focus on partnership and service, they create a custom solution for your business. To learn more, please visit www.ororapackaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. Today's guests are from Europe and very excited to introduce Mr. Alan Doss, the Secretary General of the European Aerosol Federation, and Mr. Jean Blatier, Secretary General of France Aerosol Foundation. How are you, gentlemen? <laughs> very good. Good morning. My apologies for not pronouncing your names correctly. <laughs> That's <But> okay. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Okay. Well, can you please tell us about your backgrounds? I'm very excited to get to meet you over in Paris Packaging Week in January, but uh, we'll get to that soon. Let's talk about you first. Okay. Do I start, Jean? Yes, for you. <laughs> Europe first. <laughs> So, so I'm Alain Daz, I'm the Secretary General of uh, FEA, the European Aerosol Federation. I'm in function for more than 20 years, wow. so quite a background. I worked in the past for the industry in an aerosol fillers based in Belgium, and previously to that, different jobs in several companies, different functions, uh, from research to technical sales, so uh, broad of, of background and uh, experiences uh, there. Thank you, sir. And so, although my name doesn't say it, I'm Franco-British. I live near Paris. I'm very lucky, but I've been living here only recently. I spent more than 30 years in the UK. I've been in charge of sales within the, the aerosol industry, selling aluminum cans. I've been on the board of the British Aerosol Association. Wow. Then on the European Federation, uh, representing Britain. And then... Uh, more recently, I took the job of General Secretary of the French Aerosol Association when I decided to come and live with a family here in Paris. Hmm. And aerosol and aluminum can packaging has absolutely taken a major part in the future of sustainable packaging. So I'm, I'm thrilled to speak with you both about how you're going to keep up with demand and how this new packaging trend will continue to, to work well for our, our world. But let's talk about the ADF uh, 2023, which is part of Paris Packaging Week. Can, can you guys tell me, what is that about? What's the partnership of ADF and FEA all about? And we'll start there. Yeah, I will probably take that one, eh, Jean. So effectively, we have developed a partnership with uh, EasyFair for the ADF in Paris. Why? simply to take the best of two worlds. So we have the aerosol expertise. We run our own event in the past and the focus for us was more on the Congress part. So to give value to our members insight, to allow debates within the industry. And easy first, especially the speciality is to organize events. And, and so we combine the two worlds to make, uh, to start to make the best event that we can have in Europe on a yearly basis. So mm. that's really the goal. That makes a lot of sense to combine those meetings together when so many beauty brands are going towards aerosol packaging and aluminum packaging. So well done. That's a, a smart move. And I'm really excited for Paris Packaging Week in January. I think it's January 25th next year, January and 26th. So looking forward to that very much. 
Can you tell us about the ADF Innovation Awards? Well, I probably can speak more because the uh, FAE, the French House Association, actually created ADF a very long time ago with the organizers at the time. And traditionally, the General Secretary of the French Association is the sharing the ADF Award jury. So therefore, I've been doing it myself for the past nearly five years now. And it's a very interesting concept. We are about 20 jury members, and we are going through innovations every year, not only purely on aerosol side, but on the distancing side. So we see some oh. other things on aerosols which is quite interesting. And, and, and we've got lots of discussions among the jury because obviously uh, some, some entries are straightforward and pure innovation and very exciting. Some innovation are probably far more in advance in time. So we probably are not ready for it as an industry or sometimes we are not willing to be ready for it because it's <laughs> you know, shaking the tree. But yeah, I, I think it, it does work very well. There are about 50 or 60 entries every year. We've got a jury meeting on the 15th of December this year for next year's award, and we are very excited about it. What kinds of innovations are you seeing in, in the world of aerosol packaging? We see different things, Korea. Obviously, we, we, we see lots of work being done on materials itself. Yep. So we, we've seen among different uh, across the years, you know, packaging weight being worked on. So the weight reduction on different type of components, that's one thing. We've seen lots of work being done on, on artwork itself. So tactile yes. effect different finishes, uh, more uh, colors on the containers, ink-sensitive, working with temperature, for example. And mm-hmm. then we see, obviously, the dispensing side uh, being innovative as well. So, you know, having more ergonomic-type products that can be used by a, a further wider population, especially in Europe. I don't know if it's the case in the U.S., but in Europe, we've got the population getting older and older. So, you know, being able to grab and to, to manipulate the dispensing system is important. And then, of course, we have seen recently pure sustainable innovation, you know, how to have a green aerosol into brackets or incorporation of, of recycled material, change of materials as well. That's that's what we see. We tend to go through more circular economy around what we see at our level. Yeah, well said. Lots of lots of incredible innovations in print, digital print, and like you said, the tactile feel of some of the raised printing, that's really impressive. Higher PCR content, very, very innovative and more sustainable options. Alan, I was hoping to ask you about the event itself. Are there anything that we should know as as people that are, are attending the event? Should we prepare for anything? Is there anything that you just we just shouldn't miss? So I'm building the program for the moment for the conference. So I hope that that will be well attended. I have no doubt about it. Uh, and of course, the the type of presentation will reflect the topic mm-hmm. of, of the moment. And sustainability in general is a key, a key point for, for the industry for the time being. We will not focus only on aerosol, I have to say. There will be other ways to spray also to show yeah. that other part of the industry are also the dispensing part mm-hmm. is also innovating. So yes. we don't want to, to restrict or, or we need to be open mind to look at all, all type of innovation. That's very important from that side. 
And of course, all the aspects that Jean has already mentioned, dot go use of PCR, uh, but also reporting across the supply chain, all those subjects will come on the table. Also collaboration, how to innovate together, because more and more companies try to interlink to understand better each other and to, to speed up the, the development and innovation. So right. all those subjects will be will be on the table. And I Excellent. think that will be really uh, a, a great moment to attend. Yeah, that's a really excellent point that uh, it's not just aerosols. There's pumps and different kinds of things, manual dispensers and all kinds of different packaging, which makes it so much more diverse for the, the world of packaging. So well said. <laughs> I wanted to ask a couple of details about these containers. Are are aerosol dispensers generally recyclable? Yes, they are. They are, and they've been for many years now. We've got different ways to recycle aerosols in Europe. The systems are very different from one country to another. But in summary, yes, they are. The, the biggest issue we face is consumers putting it into the right recycling bin. If the aerosol is thrown into the right bin that the consumer it will be recycled and the, 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 the main content, which is metal today, will be recovered. So yes. most of the communication we have in Europe and I've got here in France is around the collection, making sure that the consumer knows what to do with it. And, and that is probably the basically the major message that we put across on a regular basis. And we work with schools, we work with, uh, we've got, uh, we set up or we are setting up now an education tool for kids so they know where to throw their packaging in the right place. And we include aerosols in that. And we work also very closely with uh, all national authorities dealing with uh, waste collection. Yeah, well, well said. I'm excited to hear that you're you're educating students and well, even grown-ups like us need need some input sometimes, right? <laughs> Did you have something to to add, sir? Yeah, yes. The beyond this, the the education progress and the fact that consumer effectively the first step is to put the 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 post-consumer aerosol right. in the right bin to be recycled. <laughs> Uh, we need to recognize that all the countries within the EU are not on the same page. Yeah. And if there are countries where we are really very high level of recycling rate, others lag really behind uh, for different mm-hmm. reasons. But generally, it's a lack of infrastructure also to properly recycle the, uh, the metal containers. So today, if you have really certain countries, there is not yet overbound or eddy current to mm-hmm. separate, to, to sort the aerosol from and the metal packaging from the other material, right. you, you cannot reach a high level of recycling. So this part is still important in many countries, less in Belgium and in France, for example, or, but we are certain countries, Greece, Bulgaria, Romania, really mm-hmm. there are still effort uh, to do because there are quite a population there too. Yeah. So they are still packaging to, to be recycled there. <laughs> it seems to me that you're exactly right. The The onset of extended producer responsibility is going to encourage companies and manufacturers to, to work with the government and the population to continue to urge recycling as much as we can. Do you agree with that? Yes, that's, it. that's important. We need also to realize that in Europe, we are 
we are generally with a high level of, of recycling already. Yeah. There is maybe more effort to do uh, certainly for the plastic due mm -hmm. to the high diversity of plastic and less for the metal. But, but the reaching, I would say, the, the, the last percentage to increase, to, to continue to progress generally yeah. is the most costly because all you need to further invest in infrastructure or cover a broader population, which is not specifically in cities. Mm. So the, the cost of collection generally increases and for in, in general of sorting and recycling also. Right. So, so let's see how far we can go because <laughs> we are losing in each step of the recycling, we are always lose some residue, some percentage. And yes. so the, the concept of 100% recycling is technically not achievable. We need to be reasonable and, right. and not give the dream perspective uh, to the people. Uh, that will never happen. Right. Yeah. And I think that's okay. I think you're right. It's okay to understand that it's not going to be perfect, but we're going to do the best that we can. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to improve every step of the way. I've seen major advancements just in the last two years in recycling numbers and programs. And we here in North America are looking to Europe for what works <laughs> and maybe what doesn't. So we are often emulating you. And so we thank you for, for taking the lead and really being progressive with recycling. Well done. I think for, for, for the story on recycling globally, yeah. We we have, we we meet with our global colleagues once a year. We with our colleagues from the US, of course, but also for Latin America and from Asia. Yeah. And 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 recycling is uh, is always on the agenda because we continue to 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 help each other with the experience from from, from the past and and to to be sure that we can drive a, a good future globally for the aerosol industry. Well, that's great to hear. And Jean, sorry. Yeah, yeah uh, maybe just to complete the answer from Alain is uh, in Europe, we're under pressure from regulators today. We, we've we got national laws, which are called the three R's. You've got them in the UK, uh, probably in the UK, and, and you've got them in the US as well, which is recycle, reincorporate a material, which is obviously incorporation of PCR, and then reduce, reduction of packaging. We, mm. we are... We see lots of pressure on our colleagues from different types of industries. And we see consumers surveys saying, why Why is that packaging having no packaging and so on? The right. aerosol industry is a bit protected on this because our aerosol contains the product. And, and, and we mm. can use an aerosol 80 or 90 times across a period of three years. And wow. therefore, today, the, the aerosol is really perceived as the form of packaging which is the most reduced as possible because you don't sell aerosol within the nose packaging in shops or in retailers. Right. And that, that perception of being performing, being cheap and easy to use is, is key for us. So if we put across the right message that on the top of that, if you put in the right bin, it's going to become something else in metal. Mm -hmm. and, and we are working also on plastic aerosol recycling today in different countries. We, we're winning the battle here. And it's exciting to hear all of these positive things. And I know there's been some, some recent challenges with the supply. I know for a while we were 
we were out of cans. <laughs> and I know this because I couldn't buy any <laughs> and provide them to my customers. But it seems like that has kind of leveled out. Would you Would you all agree that supply has caught up a little bit? I think the industry still face a problem, but globally, <clears throat> that's not big to Europe, but it seems that the situation improved. Yes. But the problem are not disappearing so so quickly. <laughs> so but but yeah, the situation improved. Yeah. And, well uh, and if I may if I may jump on that, it's useful for our national industries as well, because I think the the suppliers and the customers have realized that having local supply is very important. So if you keep key suppliers for different type of component next door to you. Mm. then you you avoid any form of, of disruption. And it, uh, it does help Europe because we are today the, the biggest aerosol producer in the world. But oh. it does help also a lot of countries within Europe to sustain that industry. I didn't know that. That's fascinating that you're the largest aerosol producer. Well done. Uh, what is the main crux of that? Is it in paint cans or what is the what is the number one product, do you think? Oh, that the uh, the cosmetic sector is, is number one with more than fifty percent of the aerosol industry in Europe. Wow! And do, in those categories, the, the deodorant and antiperspirant seem to me the really the the number one it, 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 as precise product category. That says there is a lot of potential also in for food product, for example, where there is really great business to do. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know. Doing business is not always the uh, the big piece of the cake. There are also places for, for the smallest player yes. if they are really focused on something particular. Mm. And I think that exists also in the US. That's exactly the same and in, in other yes. regions. Yeah, very true. Very true. Often innovations, like we talked about before, will come from a smaller brand because they can often take a risk that a larger brand isn't maybe comfortable doing. I interviewed Josh Brooks from Easy Fares, and he spoke about that. One of the winners of the awards at the last year's event was a very small company, and she had a monomaterial lipstick packaging that was totally innovative. And the larger brands are standing there saying, hmm, this is very cool. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. Well, I'm very much looking forward to seeing you both in Paris in January. Anything else that you'd like to mention before we close out? No, we welcome you. It's a very, very big show. It's a very busy show. You're, you're <laughs> going to see people. It's bubbling, actually, uh, bubbling around. And not only around the Trumpet <laughs> Bar, but you'll see it. For us, it's like meeting the family every year because the aerospace industry is very small. Everybody knows everybody, even at mm-hmm. worldwide level. So you, you'll be able to... You'll be welcome to meet the family. Oh, thank you, sir. That's for sure. And and we expect that uh, we will get some some quite a few numbers of people from the U.S. Because no, I think the the COVID crisis is behind us, even if there there were still some cases. uh, But the impact is no more there. So I hope that people will join us. And that's always a pleasure to, to, to meet them. It's it's an honor to be invited, and I'm excited to go. When I interviewed Josh, he mentioned a couple of people had just signed up from the Apple company, a small electronics company. I'm sure you've heard of them. 
<laughs> so from from California, but he was thrilled to see somebody from a company that's not exactly in the brands or the types of packaging that will be there, but they're coming to see innovation and maybe get inspired. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 a very interesting point because intelligence linked to packaging is is probably the future. Oh. And, I, and I remember when I was selling aluminum cans many years ago, we we had the, the stupid idea of to say, well, can't you have an aerosol linked to your mobile phone? And when the product <laughs> arrives to a third of its content, maybe you've got a, a, an alert on your mobile phone to say, hmm, <laughs> so it's not actually stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. time, time to reorder. There's an yeah, app. Yeah. We should invent that. And that's that's for consumer, that, but that's also within the industry itself. Right. How to communicate, how to pass information, reporting more mm. and more. They yes. are the sustainable reporting for multinational become more and more demanding, and mm. and so this communication through the supply chain. And there will be a presentation at the ADF on the subject. So, so that's not so easy to 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 implement. Mm. Well said. Well said. Very excited, and thank you both for your wisdom and your time today. Very thank much you appreciate you, uh, thank you you calling in, in in your evening time. So thank you, and thank I you, thank, thank Easy Ferris for sponsoring this episode and putting yeah. on such an amazing event that we're all excited about. So hope to see you all there in January. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank bye-bye. you. Bye bye. This episode is sponsored by Specrite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve, The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive, Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging, innovation, and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash book.